We're finishing up, believe it or not, week 10 is finishing up 2 Peter. And uh, as we wrap this up, I'm going to tell you today that uh, I'm going to be preaching and meddling all at the same time. And if you feel a twinge on yourself, maybe that's probably when I'm meddling, okay? Some people will feel meddled, some people won't with, but uh, I promise you there may be some of that today. So I'm not apologizing for it, but I'm just telling you, I'm warning you of it as we finish up. Because as we've been saying, the theme for Second Peter, the whole thing, is how to battle false doctrine and moral compromise in the last days. And it's been that theme through through the scriptures, through 2 Peter, that we have to realize there's always going to be this need to want us to compromise doctrinally, compromise morally, and so how do you do that? And Peter's going to address that in this last few verses of chapter 3. We've talked about that a divine supernatural act has happened in you. If you're a believer in Christ, something supernatural has taken place in your life. And on top of that, he invites us to participate with him in this plan of redemption, that he wants us to come alongside and work with him. We've said that our salvation is perfect and complete, but it needs to be diligently pursued, which again, Peter will close with that concept. Talking about the Bible, that it's the absolute, infallible, inerrant, reliable source of truth that we have and how we need to know it. And you gotta be in the book, the drumbeat that'll beat till the day I'm dead. Judgment is sure and severe, but rescue is also promised. He can do both, judge and, and rescue, all at the same time. We talked about don't be fooled by vomiting dogs and muddy pigs. He kind of alluded to that today again. And some mock, some ignore, but some live as it doesn't matter anymore, talking about his return that he promised. And last week, God's, time is rare, God's timing is rarely our timing, but his timing is always perfect. Because people were saying, hey, where is this Jesus? He's been promised. Why is he taking so long? Because he wants as many to come to repentance as possible. Today, the main point is this. Stand guard, sure-footed, and confidently ready as you continue to grow. Stand guard, sure-footed, and confidently ready as you continue to grow. So if you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Peter 3. We're going to start in 14. I'm going to read through that passage, and then we'll unpack it. Verse 14 says, So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless and blameless and at peace with him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation. Just as our dear brother Paul, who wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him, he writes the same way in all his letters, speaking to them in these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort, as they do other scriptures, to their own destruction. Therefore, dear friends, since you already know this, be on your guard so that you may be may not be carried away by the error of lawless men and fall from your secure position, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forevermore. So verse 14 says, So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, and that's being his coming, he made the assumption, get, we're waiting, we're anticipating, we're planning, 
We're looking forward to Jesus' return. So since that is true in your life, this is what you need to do. You need to make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. This make every effort literally means hold nothing back. Push it all in. Just say, I'm going to do what is ever necessary to live this life out because I know Jesus is coming back. I know he's coming to, to judge the world, but he's coming to reward the faithful. And because of that, that's what make every effort. Do anything to accomplish this task. Psalm 13, 14 says this, turn from evil and do good. Speak peace and pursue it. Again, 2 Corinthians 13, 11. And finally, brothers, good, goodbye, which I say that goodbye because I wouldn't spell it that way, but goodbye. Aim for perfection. Listen to my appeal. Be one of mine, one in mine. Live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Now, when he says in verse 14 to be spotless and blameless, is that possible? Uh, not by ourselves, that's for sure. I mean, I, I know certain Christians that have said, no, I have not sinned since I accepted Jesus into my, into my life. <laughs> what? Well, he wiped out all my sin, and so I, I've not sinned at all. Well, you're telling a lie right now, so you're sinning right as you speak. Okay, this is not your good, I mean, other than this side, other than being in heaven, guys, we will never be spotless and that's why we have forgiveness. That's why we can go to him and ask forgiveness on a regular basis. It's, not, it's something that we work towards that I am more spotless and more blameless today than I was yesterday. That's the goal, is that as I grow in my faith, as I grow in this salvation, that I'm growing towards that. This spotless really talks about my character as a person, who I am on the inside. The blameless means my reputation, my Christian reputation, who I am on the outside. So am I working at that? How am I doing with that? Because if the promise is there, the promise of Christ's return should serve as a powerful incentive for us to live holy lives. Because we know he's coming, not, he's coming to judge the world, and he's coming, and we will face judgment. That's why that song, my, 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 grand, my papa saying, son, three days of promise to you. The day you're born and the day you die. And the third day, you're going to stand before him and give him the reason why. I will stand before my maker someday, not because of my sin, but what did I do with this life? What did I do with the gifts? What did I do with my time? What did I do with my talents? I will be judged upon that. There's not risk of losing my salvation. The only risk is losing any reward. And so that part is that if that is true, he's coming back to do those things, how should you be living? And it demands the question, what areas in my life need some attention? What areas in my life that need to do that? Because 1 John 2.28 says, And now, dear children, continue in him so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. How do you be confident and unashamed? That's why the rest of 2 Peter 3.14 says to be spotless and blameless and at peace with him. Guys, if you're not working on this, then you're not going to have this. I mean, I, 
We know that when we sin, when we blow it, it's not instant peace. I mean, the one time in Gwen and my life that we've ever had a fight uh, was right on a Saturday night before preaching Sunday. It's hard to get up in and preach in when you're not at peace with your wife. All right? It only happened once. And I just, I just said, Kevin, you preach. I can't do this. All right? Now, it, when you have this turmoil inside because of how you're living, there's no peace. And he's saying, guys, to be found, that means he's going to be looking to be spotless and blameless, to be at peace with him. That means, basically, it's a byproduct. Peace is a byproduct of being spotless and blameless. Now, there is time when you can go, you know, today was a good day. Today, I, I don't have anything to ask for forgiveness for. Now, don't take the step. Honey, I'm perfect today. Now, pride just came in, and you got to ask for forgiveness, okay? So, it's, you guys, you, when I pursue those things, that's when I have peace. And that's why you need to keep a short account with God. Don't, don't do this pile up, well, I'll pray for forgiveness next Sunday. I'll just pile it up and then ask for forgiveness. Pile up and ask for forgiveness. No, you keep short, short accounts. That's how you maintain peace. Colossians 3.15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. Guys, and you know that if you're a believer in Christ, that feeling of God and me are good. There's nothing between us. There's no sin I'm hiding. I mean, I'm, I'm a work in progress, mind you, but I have peace, and that is something to be thankful for. Verse 15 says, bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation. That's what he said in the last passage. Guys, he's being patient for salvation purposes, for us to come clean, for us to repent and believe. That's where his patience lies, just as our dear brother Paul, who also wrote with the wisdom God gave him. Now, which is interesting, this is one of those passages when you say, well, how do we know Scripture, all Scripture is... God breathed that is part of God. Well, this is one of those scriptures that you go to. This is one of those passages where Peter is quoting Paul. Peter's pointing to Paul saying, he speaks with the wisdom of God. 1 Thessalonians 2.13, this is what Paul says, and we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it as now the word of men. Not as the word of men, but as actually is the word of God, which is at work in you who believe. This is that whole point, guys. Paul preached this word. Peter preached this word. This is the true salvation. And here Peter is supporting, I mean, Peter is supporting Paul. Hey, his words, he's written to you. They're, they're, they're great words. And as we'll listen, look into the, the, the verse, verse 16, he says, but they're hard to understand. I love that. I really do. That gives me hope. When you read and go, what is he talking about? See, Peter said, Paul's writing. It's hard to understand, man. He writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His, uh, his letters contain some things that are hard to get. And there's two of me, and you're just going, okay, well, Paul, what are you seeing here? Well, how's this? I don't understand. Then the comma says, which the ignorant and the unstable people distort. Now, the ignorant people, they just don't know. I mean, I've been ignorant when it comes to Scripture. 
I mean, I, again, my first Bible had underlines and question marks because that's the guy that discipled me said, hey, whenever you find, have a question, just put a question mark next to what you underline. Question mark, question mark, question mark. All right, because I didn't know certain things. I didn't understand. It's, it, you can be ignorant, but you don't have to stay there. If you just, well, I don't want to know, you know, I just don't want to. That's what people, I don't want to know the truth. I'm just going to do my own thing. Or they are unstable, which means they tend to change and waver with what's the time that they're in. Now I'm going to meddle a little bit here. The church for so long is marriage is between a husband and a wife, between a, a, a man and a woman. And the churches believed this for all time. And culture kept changing and culture keeps changing. And those who are strident and those, and these are people in the second service, not in the first service, who held to it. Men, it's, it's, it's those who are, you know, marriage between a man and a female. And, you know, but then they have a family member or a friend come out of the closet. And now their view changes. Well, yeah, I, don't, I don't know. You know, that's such an old teaching. That's an old belief, you know, a man and a woman type thing. I mean, it, it should be okay that homosexuality is okay. Oh, Tim, don't go there. Don't go there. You know, people are going to get upset. It, that it should be okay. Guys, I can't determine how people are going to live your life. But I can say, guys, this is what the Scripture speaks to. And I'm not going to waver from that. But the problem is, the pressure is, that I can have that belief until I know someone. And now I've changed. And now I've adapted. I've distorted. Now, what's really interesting about this word distort here? That's where we get the word, the rack, from. You know what the rack is? It's a form of torture. Where they would put someone on it and start pulling it, and they would stretch him and stretch him to get information out of him. I mean, this would twist and turn and break and pull joints out of socket where people would say whatever they want just to make it stop. And of all the words that Peter chose to use here because false teachers with scriptures in hand will wrench and torture texts until it says what they want it to say. It's just amazing when we've held on to these beliefs and now culture comes knocking on the door. I can't stop culture. That's my, my job to stop culture. I can influence culture one person at a time. How we've changed and changed and adopted. And it's not that bad. And it's okay. And we move on. Because to hold to it, guys, means you're going to lose something. You will always know where your belief stands when there's pressure to give it up if it's truly a belief or not, or just an idea. Ideas change, guys. Beliefs, if they're true beliefs, core to you. And that's why these false teachers would come and twist. they take a scripture and twist and turn and contort it until they got it to say what they wanted it to say, which is happening in churches all over the world. Guys, when a... When a when somebody comes on 
and they've come up with a brand new idea of a scripture. Look, I've never seen this before. When I hear that, I have never seen this before. Now, I've gone to scripture where I've read something and something new comes out to me. But to say, I've never seen it before and no one else has either. Warning, Will Robinson, warning. That's what needs to pop up in your head. For 2,000 years, you're telling me no one saw what you saw, and they'll write a book, and they'll do the whole thing. You go, no, Tim, people don't do that. Let me give you an example. Prayer Jabez. I'm going to meddle again. Some of you got the book. I got the book. Someone gave it to me. The Prayer Jabez books, calendars, magnets, bookmarks, everything. And then it's how to supply, how to apply the, the Prayer Jabez. Guys, the Prayer Jabez is one line. It's one verse. And we've built a whole theology because Jabez prayed for his boundaries to increase. And because Jabez prayed, we need to pray for our boundaries to increase. And we need to just expound, God, increase my boundaries. Guys, that's not what that scripture was talking about. That was a prayer of someone else. It doesn't mean it's your prayer. And we've taken that and said that applies to you, you, you. And that really feeds into that whole prosperity gospel. See, I need my boundaries to I need a bigger property and a bigger house and a bigger car and a bigger bank account. Now, I'm praying it. I'm believing it because Jabez prayed it. And we take things and we distort it to make it fit what we want, not what it said. I don't know, remember where I heard this. It probably was in seminary as a young man, but one verse of theolo- theology does not make. If you find one, pa- see, it's saying this. If you can't find support of Scripture, warning Will Robinson. The Bible supports itself. We need to think critically. We need to have reliable interpretations of the scripture because they will stand under God's they will stand under as God's word stand up to the challenge and stand the test of time. When somebody says, oh, I've got something new, something that Jesus showed me. I just watched a person that Jesus showed me that he gave me keys that I get to unlock the, the blessings of your family's past, I can unlock the fortunes. Jesus has given me that ability to unlock the fortunes of your past ancestors. People are flocking to this person. I'm not going to name it church, again, but it's up north somewhere. Um, I, what? Jesus showed up first? And when Jesus showed up, he handed him keys so she can unlock the fortunes of ancestors? Dude, if, you're, if your bells and whistles don't go off, what the heck is going on? Guys, you need to get in the scriptures. You need to understand what the, what the truth says. All right, I'm going to stop meddling for, for a minute. Verse 16 says, which ignorant, unstable people distort as they do the other scriptures to their own destruction. That should be a warning. You distort the scriptures. Destruction. Whether is that your life personally, I, I don't know if he's talking about salvation here. I just know it's not good. J.K. Chesterton said this about orthodoxy, about belief. It's like walking along a narrow ridge, almost like a knife edge. One step is to either side was a step to disaster. Jesus is God and man. God is love and holiness. Christianity is grace and morality. The, the Christian lives in this world and the world of eternity. 
overstress either side of these great truths and at once destructive heresies emerge. Jesus is God or man. Okay, I believe he's, he's God, not man. Heresy. I believe he was man, not God. Heresy. Oh, God is love. God is love. God is love. That's up. Heresy. God about holiness is holiness. Not talking about his love. Heresy. It's a tightrope to walk. A knife's edge to keep both in balance. That's why you need to stand guard, sure-footed, confidently ready as you grow in this faith of ours. Verse 17 says, dear friends, since you already know this, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of lawless men and fall from your secure position. This stand watch, be on your guard is a military term. R.C. Sproul says this, even the most dedicated of Christians can get into trouble if they get itchy ears. They can be led, led away by sophisticated rhetoric of the Gnostics of their day. Oh, look at that. Ooh. And that's what it says at the end times. People will be turned away because their ears are tickled because they want happy and they want, you know, just make me rich, make me good, you know, just positive thinking. And people will flock to that. John MacArthur says this. He warns us that they will sneak up on us through the dense fog of deception. I love this. Wearing our uniforms, carrying our weapons, and speaking our language. We must be alert from this day on. Nobody can plead ignorance. Perhaps negligence or irresponsibility and laziness, but never I love movies about World War II. I love movies about war, but World War II particularly. And there was an operation called Operation Grief, and I, that, I, I could be pronouncing that wrong. Don't know German. I kept saying grief, which technically it became grief for the Germans. Hitler decided that during the time of what was called the Battle of the Bulge, it was a great offensive and band of brothers, many, many episodes about the Battle of the Bulge because the, the Germans pushed through and created this bulge. And Adolf Hitler said, what I want to do, I want to grab some, have an SS commando unit, but it's going to be a special unit because I need them to infiltrate to secure bridges before they, they get destroyed. And so the plan was they were going to train 3,000 SS soldiers in English. They're going to wear American uniforms, British uniforms. They wanted tanks, trucks, jeeps, and guns, all the ammo, because they, they captured all those things. Now, the problem was they couldn't get 3,000. They fell short of that. They only found 150 guys that could speak American enough, uh, well enough to not be known as someone just trying to pass off as an American. And the time came, and they, in total, they sent 44 commandos across. And they caused havoc everywhere. They, they had one army unit actually abandoned a position. Another one, they changed signs on the roadways, which sent army units in a total different direction. And so in the midst of all this chaos, they realized, hey, we got spies that have infiltrated. They're, they're acting as British. They're acting as American. And so they created this great code that when they, when they came up to checkpoints to ask them, hey, what was, what's the capital of Kansas? One general was held at gunpoint because they said, what league does the Chicago Cubs play in? And he said, American League, which was wrong and held him at gunpoint. 
I would have been held to God. I wouldn't know that. I wouldn't know the answer to that. And so everyone was on heightened alert, spies everywhere, to the point that the rumor was Eisenhower, that a team had gone in <coughs> to, to uh, capture Eisenhower and his whole staff. And on Christmas 1944, Eisenhower had to spend it in a bunker. And he was there for days until finally he says, enough, gets up, walks out of the I don't care if anyone kills me. I'm done with this. I mean, they had infiltrated 44. Only eight didn't come back, and all eight of those were shot as spies because they were captured in a uniform of another army. That's why I like that quote by MacArthur. Wearing our uniforms, carrying our weapons, speaking our language. Can you know the difference? Verse 17, he goes on to say, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of lawless men and fall from your secure position. First, the danger of being carried away, dragged away into false teaching, into error. Stand guard so you're not dragged into that. Secondly, it says we will fall from our secured position. Now, he's not talking about salvation. You're going to lose your salvation here. He's talking more about sanctification, that you've grown in your faith. You've taken so many steps, but because you've allowed error, you're stepping backwards. You're falling away from that secure position, and now you're locked into this. You've been carried away by all this. And Peter it's talking from personal experience, guys. You have to remember, it was Peter who denied Christ. What's interesting is, Peter denied Christ in Mark 14. In Mark 13, this is what Jesus said. Because Peter said, I'll never fall. Mark 13, verse 5. Jesus said to them, watch out that no one deceives you. You must be on your guard, verse 9 said. You'll be handed over between local councils and flogged in the synagogues on account of me. You will stand before governors and kings as witnesses to them. Verse 33, be on your guard, be alert. You do not know when the time will come. And for Peter, that time came really fast. Peter, when all of a sudden confronted with are you, are you with that man? Are you, you're one of the disciples. No, I don't know him. And three times he does this, and all of a sudden a rooster's crowing because he denied Christ. What, Je, what, Peter, what Jesus told Peter he'd do. Because, follow this now, when you're faced with that, if you speak the truth, it's going to cost you. You will find out where your belief lies. Peter later on, you can, I have this in your notes, in Galatians chapter 2, Paul's writing, and Paul's writing about when he conf confronted Peter. Because Peter had been hanging out with the Gentiles, and then he heard that the Jews were coming down from Jerusalem, the ones who believed in circumcision and everything, and so he stopped hanging out with the Gentiles and started hanging out with the Jews, acting like he doesn't even know these guys. And Peter called him out on it. I mean, Paul called him out on it. He said, Peter... He said, I did this face to face. Because why? He changed because I'm not going to risk the wrath of the Jews because of my relationship with the Gentiles. As a matter of fact, it says Barnabas, Mr. Encouragement, was caught into that too. 
Guys, how easy it is. I mean, this is Peter. This is Barnabas. Guys, they got caught up in error. How easy it is. Peter changed his position because all of a sudden, the cost that would be involved. Let me meddle again for a little bit. And this might be taken off of the internet. I don't know. You know, there are those to vax and those to not vax. And guys, I understand for where I'm coming. Get the vaccination, fine. Go for it. That's, that's your right, your privilege. You don't want to get the vaccination, go for it. That's your right, your privilege. No one's going to tell me to do that. All right? But here's the deal. The cost is going to be greater for those who say no. And we heard our government tell us that. That all of a sudden, you are risking things to say, I'm not going to take it. Some of you are risking your job. Now understand something, guys. This is where, wow, they're going to have to shoot me in the head before they put a shot in my arm. Okay, that, that's fine. Because, you know, that ain't going to happen. Pretty bold statement. But when your employer says, unless you put the stick in your arm, you, you can't work here anymore. Now your belief is going to be challenged. It always pushes what I believe in, especially when a cost is involved. I'm going to say this, guys, if you need help on doing a religious exemption, you talk to me. I'll help you out. Here's the deal. Wherever our belief is on things, it will always be challenged. It will always be pushed. It will always be stretched. I love this statement by commentator Green. He says, air has many attractive faces by which even the most experienced may be beguiled. Now, I hope you understood. Let me make it clear. You want to get vaccinated, fine. Power to you. Amen. Reasons for it. If you don't want to get vaccinated, amen. Power to you. There is reasons for it. I support both of those. But when cost gets involved, guys, which it always does, it's going to push us of what we truly believe. That's why Paul says, 1 Corinthians 16, 13, be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be men of courage, be strong. Ephesians 4, 14, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. 1 Thessalonians 5, 21, test everything and hold on to the Stand your guard, sure-footed, confidently ready as you grow. Verse 18 ends this way, but grow. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him glory both now and forever. Amen. R.C. Sproul says, I have yet to meet someone who has earned a diploma from the school of Christ. Which means... You're never going to finish, ever, all right? This side of heaven, you're, you're always going to keep moving. You're always going to keep growing. Or as one statement goes, the Christian life has been said is like riding a bicycle. Unless you keep moving, you're going to fall off, which is true, guys. That's why grow. Because when a tree stops growing, what does that mean? It's dead. It's dying. you got to grow. That's what he's saying, but grow in the grace and knowledge. Swindoll 
puts a comparison of grace and knowledge. It says, grace, it's in your notes, keeps you tolerant and loving. Knowledge keeps you strong and confident. Grace gives you mercy and compassion. Knowledge gives you discernment. Grace helps you believe and accept. Knowledge helps you question and critique. Grace results in vulnerability. Result, knowledge results in stability. Now, in your notes, I spelt it right. There's just not a difference between, there's not a space in between in and stability, okay? Because it reads totally different if you read it that way. Results in instability. That's not why I, I go, I was in my, I go, oh, great. It's spelt right. It's just the wrong statement, all right? So you need to put that space. Tim said it's instability of knowledge of God. No, it's gives you stability. So the questions you need to ask yourself, guys. And these are in your notes as well. Do, you, do others notice a measurable change in your character? How do you measure growth? Because a lot of times we don't do a good job of asking ourselves good questions. And if we ask you, am I good? Of course you're good. You know, we, we, we tend to be that way. Or you flip it to the other side. Are you good? You are horrible. You're the worst person ever. I mean, So ask someone who's close to you knows. And that maybe that's a good once a year deal. Have you seen me growing in Christian character? Have you seen me growing in my integrity, in my reputation? Have I come to the place where old temptations no longer have that same appeal? That, you know, I'm not saying I'm not tempted. Temptations are always there. And temptations is not sin. It's falling for. And I haven't become stronger as time goes on to say, no, no, not interested. Have I been de demonstrating more discernment when it comes to counterfeit claims? That all of a sudden, a little red light goes on. Danger, Robinson, danger. That's a testimony of where they're growing. So to wrap this up, Charles Swindoll says that he puts a great, Kevin loves this stuff, stuff, hope, and he breaks it down this way. H stands for heed what you already know. O, open your eyes and ears. Guys, you're always going to grow in discernment. You're never going to stop growing that way. P, pursue a godly lifestyle. Be spotless and blameless. Grow in that. Pursue that. He expect Jesus' return. As you keep that in perspective, then you will be able to battle the false doctrines, the false teachers that are out there. And they got loud stages. Is to where I'd be able to cast warning on those things. And we live in a culture that wants us to moral compromise. Just keep changing. Keep, just adapt to the culture. Guys, I'm not going to adapt to the culture. Now, there may th be things we do differently, like Kevin with an iPhone rather than his notes. You know, I mean, there are things that we can do to reach a younger crowd because many of us in this room, well, all of us technically in this room, are getting older. And so things will have to change. Music will have to change. The preaching of God's Word is not going to change. The truth of His Scripture is not going to change. And we're not going to adapt it to the culture of saying, well, since the culture believes that, I want to be popular with the culture. I'm going to adapt that too. Guys, if you ever see that, I give permission to put a bullet in my head, man. Just end me now, all right? Did Tim just say kill him? 
Yeah, I did because I'm worth nothing at that point if I've done that. It goes against everything I've ever taught, said, or believed. And this church, as long as I'm here, will not go that direction. But the pressure is always there, guys. The pressure is always there personally to make those adjustments. And you've got to stand, stand your guard, sure-footed and confidently ready. Because Jesus is coming back. So grow in that faith. Don't settle. Okay, I've done enough meddling for you. Father, thank you for today. Thank you that you're not done with us yet. I know that because we're all here. Help us take advantage of what you've given us. Help us take advantage of the time we have, the talents we have. Just, Lord, everything that you've given us. Because someday we'll stand before you and have to give an account of the reasons why. Father, thank you that you are faithful. Help us trust that. Help us to stand, guard. Help us to not lose our footing. Help us to be confident in the truth that we hold, growing in our faith, waiting for your return. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, God bless you. Have a fantastic day. Thanks for tuning in to Horizon Community Church's podcast. Our hope and prayer is that wherever you are, you would be encouraged by this message and be equipped to face any challenges that come your way. More information about Horizon can be found at www.horizonweb.org.